Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have near-death experiencer Dennis Bullock, and in his NDE, he was told about future events in his life that not only saved his life, but really transformed him in ways that cannot be explained. Let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Dennis Bullock. How you doing, Dennis? How you doing, Alex? How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm good, brother. I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man, and sharing your remarkable journey uh, with all of us and, and hopefully getting a glimpse on uh, some very special things that have happened to you in your life. So first question I have to ask you is, what was your life like before you had a near-death experience? Were you spiritual? Were you religious? What, how well, was it before? I'm, well, I was raised in a Christian home, but I was not religious at all. Okay, I mean... Up until about 12 years old, we did go to Sunday school to church, you know, um, it was a Christian background, but it was not like a serious, serious religion background. But that was about it as far as uh, religion goes. You know, I, I was not a serious. I, I would say I was Christian is pretty much was what I, I believed, but I was not a, a serious practicing Christian. Right, you were the uh, like like myself, uh, maybe the holiday what, Christian, maybe it's Christmas, yes, maybe Christmas yes. mass, maybe Easter mass yes. if they pull me. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't keep up the the rules of the Christian thing and all that stuff. It just was for me, just a, was a lot of too many question marks, and and so I, you know, but so I you was, didn't, but you didn't give a real deep, uh, you know, you didn't go down a deep a rabbit hole or a path to discover or learn more about spirituality or learn more about God. You just had a belief well, that there was I, something I, bigger out there. Well, I I did at 14 and 15. I, okay. I mean, at 14, I, I have to say at 14, 13, 14, 15, I was quite serious to find out what's, what's it all about. Mm -hmm. um, but the digger, the more I digged, I digged into the Christianity. I checked a little bit of Jehovah Witness. I read about the Muslims. I, you know, I, I dibbled and dabbled to see what, but for me, it was, I didn't find anything really that said, oh, this is it. And, you know, so I kind of, it was a phase I went through, you know, uh, I'd say around 15 to about 16. That was like a real big phase. Even my mother thought, oh, maybe he's going to be a priest. I said, no, I was just <laughs> curious about life, you know. Uh, I want to know all these mysteries that everybody seems to hold so strong and the priest and the, the pastors and everything is so serious. So when I looked about it, you know, there was a neighbor in my neighborhood when I was a kid and they were Jehovah's Witness and the kid needed a blood transfusion. 
and the parents didn't give it and the kid died mm. and for me i yeah. thought i thought it didn't make sense why why would god give you a brain and 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 technology but you don't use it because it's against god it just didn't you know it just it's like god says here's the keys to the car but don't drive it right. you know you know so it's like you know for me the, that's why religion started to take a back seat and uh, i started to not take it so serious as i was when i was 14 and 13 yeah and then life happened <laughs> well then girls happened so you know, <laughs> you know oh then, man i know those teenage the chicks happened and i was like well you know i'm religious yes uh, god bless but look at this <laughs> you know, so <laughs> we'll talk about that about two three four and five decades down the line let's let's have some fun. right right <laughs> exactly exactly so was your first um kind of mystical experience uh the the visitation you had a visitation from your mother after she passed correct was that the yes, first right. thing that happened mm, no well well that's the first i would say major major thing yes so what was the first thing that started shaking you're like wait a minute what's going on here? well actually the house we lived in was slightly kind of haunted mm -hmm. and when i say haunted i mean just strange things would happen you know um Sometimes a door would slam and there's no wind. Um, and it would slam at the moment you you approach the door. Mm. <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, Doorknobs would turn by themselves and nobody's behind them. Little things like that. But I was a kid. I was like 11, 12 years old, even nine years old. And for me, it was just like, uh, you know, it's Casper the Friendly Ghost or whatever. We laughed at it. We didn't take it so, oh my God, it's Poltergeist. You know, we didn't we didn't mm -hmm. take it like that. And it wasn't as bad as Poltergeist. Poltergeist was pretty bad, but it was enough little things that would happen that you you knew something was a little bit out of the ordinary, but not enough for me to say, you know, uh, I'm, I'm curious or going on a quest. I said, oh, the, the house is a little bit strange <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> That's, so, that, you that was about it. But you didn't have any abilities to see anything or were experiencing anything no, out of the no, ordinary? No, no nothing no, like not that. Not at that okay. point. No, no, no. So then the first major thing that happened was your mother, you know, passing and coming to visit you. Can you right, talk a little bit exactly. about that? Yeah, sure. Well, my mom, me and my mom, we were very close. I mean, super, super, super close. I mean, my mother didn't have a job. She used to be a legal secretary, but she had quit her job to marry my father. So she didn't have a job and her and my father were getting along so great. But um, she saved her money and bought me my first saxophone because I'm a singer and saxophone player. Mm -hmm. And um, and so, so she meant the world to me. I mean, it was nothing. It, my mother was the joy. My, my father was a, a, a Marine. Also, he was a cop <laughs> and uh, he was from a military family. Mm -hmm. So everything he loved me, but he only loved me in a way of duty. I would I would I felt mm -hmm. not in a way of, you know, what do you really like or what do you really feel? It was more like, you know, here's what, what do you want for Christmas? OK, I got it here. What do you want? It's your birthday here. Bye. That's it. You know, it was very dutiful. Mm -hmm. Where my mother, she was just uh, the joy. She brought the life. She would tell me, hey, did you see the birds in the morning? They're so beautiful. Look, you know, she was the joy. 
And when she got sick um, and died, my whole world crashed because it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Somebody, it's like somebody turned out the lights in my life. You know, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And uh, that when that happened, two weeks after she died, uh, I was I started to drink. Uh, and this uh, she she died when I was 29 years old. And I started to drink. And every night I had a routine, you know, I'd go to the bar, drink, and then come back home. I was living in Montreal, Canada at the time. And I come back home to my apartment, sit, turn out, come in my room, turn out the lights, sit on the side of my bed and go to cry myself to sleep. Now I did that for about a week and a half. And this one night I came back ready to do my routine coming from the bar and, um, I, I turned into my room, turned on my light like I always do, and sat on the side of my bed, and I was going to untie my sneakers at the time. And when I looked down, I saw that there was still light. And I said, that's impossible. I know I just turned out the light. That's impossible. Now, here's the crazy part. When I looked up in my room, it was like the sun you see in the sky was in my room. It was, and it was like a wave of love that I can only describe as a, when you're in the ocean and the wave comes of water and it's too tall for you and covers your whole body. That's how the water was the love. And it just covered my whole body. And it was so powerful. This love just came out so powerful. And I was just like this in my room, shocked. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And then out of this sun, which which later on I found to be God, came like two other lights, which were more like the size of stars. One was a, a bigger star than the other, and the other one was a smaller star. And the smaller star, I recognized that it was my mother. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Now, how I recognized that it was her was just the feeling of her. The, the I knew that it was her because she was just a light, like a, like a star, you know, like a star coming. And they floated right out to me. And I said, oh, mom, that's you. It, I said, it's like that over there. It's like that over there. And it was so much love and and... You know, when my mom had died, man, I, I, all I know is she was dead. I didn't know where she was. You know, even the, I, I had religious upbringing. I didn't believe none of it, really. So I didn't, in my opinion, I didn't know where she was. I just know she was gone. She's somewhere, but she's gone. She's not here. And when I saw her, that, and, and I saw all this love, and I said, oh, it's like that over there because it, man, it felt like I was in Hawaii on vacation uh, and I'm a billionaire mm -hmm. uh, and, and everything is perfect and everything is wonderful. And I got the, um, I, I, nothing but love around me. So, and then she's, and then she started to talk to me. And, and when she started to talk to me, it's like we're talking now, except instead of seeing someone's mouth move, she was like shooting the conversation into my brain. Mm -hmm. I could hear her like I hear you, mm -hmm. but it was being, I, but I could also feel it 
coming into my body, the conversation. I could literally feel it coming in. And uh, she said, I'm going to tell you a week in advance in the future. So you're going to know that this is real, that this is not a, a an illusion or a fake. This is real. Now she said, you're going to, you're going to get a job next week. Now I was a musician and I didn't, I hadn't worked in like two or three weeks. You know, it was kind of like a dry spell. It wasn't not, not really great, that great. She said, you're going to find a job. A job's going to come to you in, by the next week. And she said, there's going to be a bouncer, a guy there. And she said, he's going to be a homosexual. She said, he's going to be a psychopath. And she said, whatever you do, don't argue with him and don't get into a fight with him. Because my mother knew me. I, I mean, I was in my, I call it the roaring 20s. I was vigorous. And it was like, and I have nothing against anybody who's gay or lesbian. But if you're homosexual and you know that I'm not, and you you come after me, I, I, I was going to defend myself, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So she knew that I was, you know, I wasn't looking for trouble, but I could be hot-blooded <laughs> if, if it came my way. So she said, whatever you do, don't fight. Because she said, um, this, she, she explained it like it's like two possibilities or two timelines. Mm -hmm. She said, the first timeline, he'll kill you. He's going to kill you if you get into a fight with him, if you get into an argument with him. The second time, timeline, he said, she said, you would kill him, but you would go to jail for the rest of your life. And she said, these two timelines, one of them will happen if you get into an argument with him. So I said, no, mom, I'm, 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 you know, I won't get into an argument. I won't uh, do exactly what you said, you know, and I, you know, I was just so happy to see her, man. I, I sure. said, whatever you have to say, whatever you have to say, mom, I'm, sure. I'm right there. I do exactly. And she said, the second thing I'm going to tell you is that the girlfriend you have now, um, I had only been seeing this girl for about uh, maybe a year and a half or something like that. She said, she has three kids that you don't know about. And she said, she's going to try to have a fourth kid with you. And she said, she's going to try to lie about it. Like, say she's on the pill or say she's, uh, you know, mm -hmm. she's going to try to, to catch you. Trap and you, she yeah. said, yeah, trap you. And so she said, um, be careful about that. And I said, okay, okay, mom. And then she said, um, the other thing she said was that um, uh, I'm going to be around you always, but you're you're not going to be aware of me as much as you are tonight and then uh, and then she stopped for a minute talking and then i said but mom who's this other light because this was this tall light that was standing right next to her i said mom who's this other light and then the light spoke to me and it, and it said i'm an escort and it said i'm escorting your your mother to the to the earth and the exact words it said this is an interruption in your life <laughs> and then i said okay well interruption okay well listen i i have some questions here you know i said i got god in my room right now i want to know some i want to know who's going to be my wife uh how many kids i'm going to have uh why am i here you know um and the angels answered very calmly very easy he says it says, I'm going to tell you all of that, all the answers, but you won't be allowed to remember. <laughs>
Right. So it told me all the answers, but I was only allowed to remember what my mother said. So, um, so they, after that, uh, my mother told me she loved me and she, she would always be around me. And, and then they floated and they started to melt. Like, it's like if you have a glass, uh, ice cube in a glass and it just starts to melt. That's how they, they went back to the big light and they floated away and everything just, it started getting dimmer and going back to, to the room being dark. And, and, and when they left, I, tears just burst out my eyes, man. Sure. Because I said, nobody's going to believe me. Nobody's going to believe this happened. Nobody, nobody's going to believe this happened. It's so incredible. I said, nobody's going to believe this happened. But I got the proof. The next day after that, I got a phone call from my band. And they said, hey, man, we got a job. <laughs> Just like my mother said. Now, I didn't dare tell my band what had happened the, the nights before because I didn't want them to say, you know, he's a great singer, great saxophone player, man, but he lost it since his mother died, you know. So I said, I'm not telling them nothing about this. So I said, oh, that's that's great. And and my alert inside, I said, oh, wow, everything's starting to happen, like she said. Mm -hmm. So I said, OK. So the the following days after that, we had to go and do a sound check. And uh, so we went to the sound check and we went to this, this sound check. There was this guy at the door, huge. Now, I'm a pretty big guy, but this guy made me one of his arms was my whole body. He was huge, like, you know, the Hulk, yeah, the yeah, Hulk yeah. Hogan wrestling, wow. you know, yeah, you know, type of people. <laughs> and um, so he was there, but we came in, we did our sound check. Nothing happened. He was cool. He didn't say nothing to me. So uh, then we came back for the gig. Now we did the first set. Okay, I came in the club. We did the first set. It was great, and I was talk and I we were on the break, and I was talking to the band. Like the band was here, and I was here, and we were talking. And this bouncer, this huge bouncer, walked behind me, like that, and grabbed my butt, just like you know, just grabbed my butt. And I went, hey, you know. But my band, they didn't really see that because. He was right behind me. You you could, I was standing. Yeah. So you couldn't him. see that he yeah. was grabbing me. You just seen him passing me, but you didn't see the grab. But I felt the grab and I said, hey, I got to tell this guy something. Did y'all guys see that? He said, no. He said, this guy just grabbed my butt, man. I got to tell this guy something. And I was mad, you know, you know, but then I said, oh yeah, remember mom, remember mom. Don't, don't, don't lose it, man. Just go over there and tell him you're not like that. So I went over there and I said, hey man, I just want to tell you, I'm not like that. Don't touch me anymore. He said, man, you had too much to drink. I didn't touch you. I said, yeah, you did. And I, and, and I said, just don't do it, man. I'm not, I'm not like that. Don't touch me anymore. And then he said, well, why did you tell your friends that I touched you? And I said, I told my friends because you did touch me. And I said, I'm not like that. So please don't touch me. Thank you. And I just walked away because I knew that the conversation was the more I stayed there was going to the path what my mom was talking about. So I didn't. I said I done walked away. That's it because I knew where if I continued that conversation where it was going. So I just walked away and I did the second set. We left the club and that was it. 
Next day, band member calls me, says, hey man, did you hear what happened? I said, no, what happened? Remember that bouncer you were talking about? I said, yeah. He got into an argument with the club owner and crushed both of his rib cages and went to jail for manslaughter. He's in jail now. Oh, the, the owner died? Yes. Oh, wow. wow. Crushed both of his... Now, you know how strong you have to be to crush a man's, both of a man's rib cages. I mean, you gotta be, yeah, that's a messy. Yeah, so he, he, but he had to be, he's psycho. Because, and the sad thing is, I know, I knew the owner because he was a friend of mine and he was cool people. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So I said, oh my God. Thanks for telling me, man. I didn't tell him anything else. I said, and I said, oh my God, everything my mom is saying is coming true. Mm. I said, if that's true, then I have to call my girlfriend. Then what she says about her is true. Yeah. So I pick up the phone. I call my girlfriend and I say, hello. She said, hello. Yeah. I said, hey, tell me something. I said, just tell me the truth. It's okay. Do you have three kids? And the phone went silent. And then she said, who told you? <laughs> and I couldn't believe my ears. I couldn't believe my ears. I know this girl for so long. I said, wait a minute. I'm going to ask you again. It can't be. Do you have three kids? She said, yes, I have three kids. I said, who told you? And I said, well, I'm going to tell you who told me. My dead mother told me. <laughs> and I said, me and you finish. Because if you're going to deny your kids, uh, I can't. I don't know what else you might be hiding or wow. denying. Wow. So we're finished. So then um, yeah, I hung up the phone and I, my mind was blown. And then I knew I had the proof. And that guy's still in jail to this day. So, uh, you know. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. So, and that was and my that's first. Just, that was your first you know, spiritual transform. It was a spiritual yeah. transforming event or something along those yes, lines. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so then let's get into this near-death experience <laughs> if that's the, okay. that's the, that was like okay. that was the appetizer for the near-death experience so <laughs> tell me about what happened on your okay. near-death experience well the thing is after that first experience it was so powerful and so much that i tried as a young man i tried to say okay that's so over the top nobody gonna believe me anyway if i tell them so i said i'm gonna put that aside and try to go back to normal life. Right. Let's just try to go back to normal life. So that's what I did. And I was um, following this guy who was a, one of the lead singers of the platters, of mm -hmm. the renewed platters, not the, not the original, but the renewed, because that's mm -hmm. old group past my age, but mm -hmm. it's a renewed guy of uh, uh, platters. And he had record deals. He had, um, I mean, everywhere in Germany, America, mm -hmm. here, he, he had success and he could sing his butt off killer, killer vocals. And so I was, I was following him until one night he introduced me to drugs, you know, oh. and I start taking drugs with him and something I'm not so proud of. Sure. Um, and I was following him. He was like my mentor. I thought, you know, hey, he's got success. This must be the way, you know. Mm -hmm. I want success too. So, you know, when he offered me drugs, I I started taking drugs with him. 
Then he died. I did his last show and he died. And when he died, that was like a wake up call for me. I said, that's it. So, and so I stopped, I stopped cold turkey, no drugs, no nothing. Um, but I replaced it. And uh, what I replaced it with was marijuana. Mm -hmm. So I decided instead of doing the you know real hard drugs, I'm gonna do a little marijuana and that's it. Smoke a joint every now and then, it's, it's okay. So that's what I was doing and with my new girlfriend at that time. And one night um, we ran out of marijuana. We, we just didn't have any that day. So sadly to say, but this is not no push against musicians, but most musicians know where to get marijuana. It's this like, is, they're this not, is, not, they're new, not, this is not news. This is not news, sir. Yeah, exactly. They, <laughs> not they breaking will news. know. They will know for sure. So in whatever so town we, they're in, in whatever exactly. town they're it in. It doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so I'm in Montreal, Canada still, and we, we ran out of marijuana. So I call a friend and of course he has marijuana. He says to me, Hey, I'll bake it in a cake for you and bring it over. And I said, cool. Cause I never had it in a cake before. So he baked it was a chocolate cake and he filled it with so much marijuana which I found out now after the fact but at that time I didn't know but he he must have poured the kitchen sink in that thing mm -hmm. but so he brought the cake over left it and he left me and my girlfriend there so I cut my girlfriend a piece and I cut me a piece we ate a piece and 10 minutes went by nothing happened I said I think we probably got to eat a little bit more, you know, <laughs> because it it takes maybe, it, it, you know, maybe he didn't put a lot in there and we have to, that's why we don't feel anything. So we took another piece. She took another piece. Actually, no, she took half and I took half because we wanted to, we wanted to get high. So she took half and I took half and 10 minutes went by again. Nothing. I said, it must be a bad batch or something. You don't feel anything? No. I said, me neither. Then another 10 minutes went by. Then we start feeling something. And what we were feeling was not necessarily that we were getting high, but more like our bodies were shutting down. First, first, like I would be talking to her and I would forget to breathe. <gasps> you know, and, and then uh, it started to be a little bit hard for me to move. And my girlfriend said, Hey, you better call nine one one or something because while we still can, while you still can, I said, yeah, you're right, and I and I, I, I it was hard for me, and I dialed nine one one, and then they said, how can we help you? And this was the embarrassing part because we had to tell them, you know, well, you know, we had too much, maybe too much marijuana and a cake, and uh, we feel like, can you come and help us? <laughs> we, we feel like we're dying here. You know, and they said, okay, we'll we'll be right on, we'll be on our way. Now, when you call them about any narcotic, they also call the police. So the police came with them, but we had ate all the cakes, so there was nothing. <laughs> nothing to charge us with. So they they left, the cops left <laughs> and took us in a stretcher. Now this was at four o'clock in the morning. We were on the third floor on a stairwell case and we were taken in stretchers each separate stretchers <laughs> four o'clock lights are flashing 
Mm -hmm. uh, neighbors looking out the window like this as we're coming down the stairs in front of their window. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what happened to them? <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, and and it looks like a scene out of uh, uh, Mick Jagger, David Bowie overdosing or something. It just sure, looks sure, sure. wild, man. So they they put us in the ambulance and we're in the ambulance and they, they're rushing. I'm happy that they arrived because uh, I was like, when they arrived, I was really holding on to dear life because I knew that I didn't have much time mm. because my, my heart was trying to beat and everything was coming stiff. I couldn't move. Mm. And, and I believe it's because uh, he put so much and it went directly in my bloodstream and it started to paralyze instead of just getting high it starts to paralyze the, the the system anyway we got to the hospital and another strange thing happened was when we got to the hospital at the reception i saw my dead mother again she was standing at the reception looking through papers she had this this uh shirt on that she wears she had a like a women's club mm -hmm. and uh, they would like 10 women they would go play bingo they would go to trips and they would wear these particular shirts you know and she had that on and she was looking through the and I said as they were rolling me past the reception I said that's strange there's mom now later on I, as I put two to get two and two together I was so close to death at the time when they rolled me in that's why I was able to see her mm as clear as I see you standing right now. Wow. And so they rolled us in, they put me in one room, they put my girlfriend in another room and they gave me this black drink to drink. I thought it was tar, but charcoal. later on I found out there was charcoal. Yeah. So they they left me in the room, gave me this drink and I'm, I'm on the bed, hospital bed. And I'm saying, thank God, they finally find me. I'm gonna be all right. I'm gonna live, I'm gonna live. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And so I drink the drink down. Tastes horrible, man. Tastes horrible. Ugh. I drink the drink down and I lay back and I'm saying, oh, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be alive. And as I relax back on the bed, I start to hear my heart in my ear it's like somebody put my heart in my ear mm -hmm. and i started to hear it beep boom 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 and when it did that i popped out of my body i just popped out like as if i would just jump off the couch here mm -hmm. i popped out of my body and the first thing i said then i said i'm out and my body was in the bed and i was standing beside it and then i looked at my hand and I was looking at my hand and the way to describe that was I describe it like if you watch television too late and those emergency broadcasting system comes on and you have all that static. And if you look in the static, you can see colors. If you look really hard, it's not just mm -hmm. gray. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at my hand, it was like a gray with a light blue tint all around it. And I was mm -hmm. just looking at it like that. And then across from my bed was a sink. And in the sink, there was a drop of water dropping. And for some odd reason, when I was out of my body, my curiosity was like at a thousand percent. And to a soul, a drop of water was amazing. 
And I said, wow, a drop of water. I said, I would like to see that water up close. And the minute I thought it, my vision went directly up close and back again to where I was. And then here's the other part. Then I said to myself, I'd like to see. No, then I said, um, I would like to to stop this drop of water and to 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 stop time so that I can see it because it was called book book. And it was as if if you don't ride a bike, a bicycle in 20 years and I give you a bike, you're still gonna be able to ride it. Mm-hmm. It was like that for me. It was like I was remembering. And I just waved my my hand across the air and the drop of water I froze in midair. I I, I stopped time. Mm-hmm. And for some odd reason, the, the soul or me, I didn't, wasn't so surprising, mm-hmm. you know. And then I said, I'd like to, to see that drop of water from every angle. And then I just opened my hand and five of me appeared at the sink, at the drop of water. One was on the right, one was on the left, <laughs> one was, was, was underneath the water looking, one was watching them, and I was watching all of them. Mm. And and I was looking, I said, wow, I can't, wow, this is amazing. And when I would close my hand, they would all suck back to me. <laughs> okay, then I would open my hand, then they all be back. And it started to be funny. Boom, boom. I started <laughs> to do that. And then I said, this time I'm going to add a little shake. And I went, boom. and they all appeared and they all shook like that a little bit. And we, I just kept going back and forth, and it's basically turning into Bugs Bunny, man. Sure, it was sure. like Bugs Bunny, man. I was going back and forth. Oh my God, this is funny. Until I burst out laughing. When I burst out laughing on the other side, it was like I was laughing in the Grand Canyon. It just went ha 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 ha, and it, it went into eternity. Uh, echoing, yeah. Yes, and then after the laugh, I felt somebody was watching me and and I heard a voice and this voice said kind of like a a parent would say to a child at a playground don't run around the corner too fast you might fall it said to me um if you don't go back now you might have to stay and I said oh yeah that's right my heart you can't stay stopped like that too much longer I said yeah that's right you're right and I didn't question who was talking to me I I felt like it was probably God Mm -hmm. because of the but it was gentle it was not saying you must go back it was almost like a choice if you don't go back now you might have to stay And it was now up to me to make that choice if I wanted to go to stay or to or to go back. But I mean, I was, you know, a young man, 34, 35, I wanted to go back. So I pointed myself in the direction of the body of the body. Now, the interesting thing was that I never wanted to look at my body, man. Really? Because I was no, I only saw my leg, but I didn't want to look at the whole body because I was afraid I was going to have some uh, facial, you know, look of death. And I, and, and I didn't want to be scared. So I never looked, I only saw my leg and I knew I was standing 
on the side of the the bed and my body was there because I could see my leg but I didn't want to look so I pointed myself in the direction of of the body and then I I just willed my soul to go into it and it went into it and my heart started to beat and it just did a double boom, boom and it started to beat and then that was it but there was something else so yeah I have to mention that as I was out of my body, this was another thing that was happening all, all the time. It's like, I don't know if you have Alka-Seltzer, you know, Alka-Seltzer, mm -hmm. you put Alka-Seltzer into water and it's dissolving, right? Mm -hmm. When you're out, when I was outside of my body, information was expanding like that. Mm. And I got a lot of down, what I call, what we can call downloaded sort of information about everything about the earth about why souls come um, um many things and that i didn't believe in before and it blew my mind but i got all that information and this time i was able to bring it back this time i was able to remember it and uh yeah and and then my heart started beating everything was okay but i i knew a lot of things that i didn't know before like what Oh, for example, um, uh, on the other side, there's no right or wrong, mm -hmm. only perception. Uh, the reason why souls come here is to experience, not to grow or not to go to a school. They're already perfect. They come here to experience. If I give you a book to read on how to drive a car, but you've never driven a car, you know, it's like that. You have the knowledge, but you don't have the experience. Um uh, stuff like uh, oh the bible um the bible uh, there's only some things that are are correct in the bible the rest is is uh, manipulation from the priests and the governments that wrote that uh, was controlling the people at the time mm -hmm. um the other thing christ uh, christ is like a, there's a christ consciousness just under unconditional love it's a consciousness but it's not it's uh, we all are sons or gods oh here's the other thing um uh we are gods with a big g we are part of god but we also are gods we can have multiple lifetimes at the same time we can uh, there's so many things that we can do and we only use a fraction of our power to have a lifetime like we're having now hmm. uh I, I i learned so much about uh um, yeah, here's another one um, about uh, hell. Yeah, um, why people experience hell? Some of them when they die, because what they believed in, because they're such powerful gods, what they believed in, they actually created. Now, according to the Christian religion, if you die and you go to hell, you're never supposed to get out, right? <laughs> why are hundreds are getting out? Why? Because they created that. God is only love, only, and will never torture you. There's another one, no karma. There's no such thing as karma. Mm. Karma is no, it's not such a thing, but there is a such thing as law of attraction, frequency. And that means if you kill somebody, it's, it, it's not because you killed that person that you're going to be killed. It's because you're on that frequency of the possibility of you being killed. It happening for you killing or being killed. It's like a, a radio station if you have rock, you can't get classical music. 
because mm -hmm. you're on the frequency of rock. And the same with killing or lying. If you're on the frequency of killing, you're on that frequency. So you may kill, but you also may be killed mm. because you're on that killing frequency. And that's what it's about. It's not about, oh, you get paid back. Oh, you you got to get, no, no, no. There's no, there's no debt with that. Mm -hmm. um, many things, yeah, I learned a lot of many things. And uh, yeah, we, we're such... It's, and it's very important. And people have different death experiences because of the process of uh, when they die, where, where their mind and heart is at that moment. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Right. And also learned that um, even, for, even from my mother, she needed an escort to come back to earth because you have, it takes time for different souls to get used to the other side. Everything isn't quite automatic. It, it, it goes slowly and slowly and slowly in a comfortable way that's comfortable for the individual. So that's why you may see comfortable things. A guy who's into Buddha, Krishna, they may see Buddha. They, a guy who's into Muslim may see Allah. That's, it's to make you comfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. That's what I've heard. But the true the true religion is love. It has nothing to do with it. And and there's no forget about all that sin and all that stuff. That's that's junk. Mm. A baby a baby has done nothing wrong. It's not a sinner. <laughs> yeah, I've had I've had that conversation before. Okay. About my own so, kids. <laughs> but but, the but relative, they can be the bad. Relative, <laughs> the relative the relatives are like, so you're not gonna baptize them like why because because right. they have a sin this baby right. has a sin. and if i don't do it they're they're no matter what they do in life they're going to this place called hell and they're like well when you say it like that well that's how you're saying it exactly <laughs> like, that's exactly you know, how you say it It makes it. no it, sense it makes no right it's a it's almost a threat to life you know right. so anyway i learned i learned a lot and also um i got a gift from that yeah, what was it? What'd you get back? Well, it's something I discovered by by accident, actually, because after after I died and came back, and and that was over, I you know I wanted to go back on my life. Let's <laughs> let's try to be a little bit normal. Let's go back to life. And um, I was in a club in in Canada, in Mont Roland, it's called. That's like north of Canada. And uh, there was a snowstorm and my band was there and hardly nobody was there. And there was two waitresses. Now, I had never played this particular club before. It was a new club. So we were happy. Hey, we got a new gig, new club. And um, but there was nobody because we were snowed out. And so we were having our beers and there was a waitress. And I said, come here, waitress, um, for fun. I'm going to tell you your future. It was supposed to be a joke. I grabbed her. I said, give me your left hand. And I and I took her hand just for fun. And I said, your boyfriend is paraplegic. I said, he blamed you for his handicap. I said, you're going to meet a guy three months from now and you're going to fall in love and you're going to marry him. And you're going to live happily ever after with that person. And then I just left left her through their hand and, and left her. I didn't pay attention that she she didn't say anything through the, through the whole thing I was talking. Mm -hmm. And I just finished my beer. A year later, we played the same club. <laughs> this girl ran up to me and said, hey, do you know everything you said was true? I said, no way, impossible. I said, your boyfriend was paraplegic. 
She said, yes. I said, he blamed you for his handicap, even though it was your, your fault. She said, yes. I said, three months after you met a, a, another guy, she said, yes. I said, you fell in love and you got married to him. And then she showed me the wedding ring. <laughs> and then the hand, the, the bumps went up my arm, man. <laughs> and the band looked at me and like, what are you, what's happening to you, man? Are you turning into Nostradamus? What's going on? <laughs> and I, and I became afraid because I said, what happened? Am I, am I, am I alien now? What, what is this? You know, what's really interesting because I mean, you're in the music business. I'm in the film industry. I've dabbled in the music business. I know the people in the, and I've done music videos and stuff. I've lived in that world. Right. So artists in general, fairly open-minded, generally yeah. speaking. Yeah. But even artists have, especially in the music business, you start freaking people out real quick. And you're a working musician who could easily just be like, nah, he's crazy. I don't want to work with him. Or he's like, yeah, he's spooky. Exactly. He's exactly. spooky. I don't want no, to work with spooky. him. No, he's spooky. That's the, yeah, spooky. exactly. So how did you psychologically deal with, well, first of all, before we even get to that, when this near-death experience happened, how did you psychologically deal with it? And then when did you decide to come out of the closet, if you will, the spiritual closet and the uh, closet to tell people, look, man, this is what's kind of happening to me. Well, the thing is, I, I I kept it for a long time. I said, man, if I tell them this, they're just going to think he's cuckoo. You know, they're just not going to, you know. But um, the thing was, is that it came to a point where I said, you know, you got to be you. I said, this happened for a reason. I said, and also, who cares what anybody thinks anymore? You know, what the, what 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 is good? Is that going to do you if they all oh, they either they like you or they don't? You're a nice person, so they don't like you. That's their problem, man. Or they think you're crazy. That's their problem. You know what happened to you? Just tell the people because it's going to help them because the information you got can help so many people. Can help people not be afraid of death. It can help people to understand that they're they're not paying some karma tab. It's just it's just frequency. Get on a positive frequency. Stay away from the negative frequency, and, and you'll watch your life get better. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not you know. So I it, I struggled with that for about two years, and then I said that's it. And uh, Jeff Mora, mm -hmm. I was watching. A program because I usually don't even watch about NDEs. I don't even watch it because I was it was always it would it would remind me of what mm -hmm. happened to me and hey why are you not talking about it, you mm -hmm. know. So I was watching Jeff Marr and this was this girl that was on, and uh, she had did some kind of uh, ayahuasca trip, mm -hmm. and, and she looked cute. So I said, oh, she's pretty. Let me let me check this out, see what's going on with her. And she was telling about her her trip and some of her things she was saying reminded me of my experience mm -hmm. and I then I wrote Jeff and I said hey Jeff that was a great interview I said that sounds like a, some experience that I had similar you know and he said well why don't you come on and, and tell your experience and I was shocked because I never thought I mean the guy has so many followers I never thought he would ask me and and so he asked me and then I that's when I started
and I felt liberated because mm -hmm. when you have a story like that, man, it's like a a, a deep dark secret. Oh you yeah, keep not yeah, you know you know, and and you carry that burden around, and and it's like you know, it's like you know something, but you're not telling, and because you're afraid of what people think, man, forget about it. Don't care about what people think. So I came out with it. And after that, I, I, my interviews went crazy and I've been doing interviews all the time and helping people. But uh, to get back to the, the gift, um, the gift uh, had some ups and downs with that. Uh, one down part, which was a, a big question was, um, one time after, after that incident with the waitress, uh, we had a, a friend, we used to, um, after our shows, we'd go to after hours. Yeah. We call it, those are places that stay open after the clubs close. Yeah. The after party so, of the after party. Yes. 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 <laughs> and, uh, this guy, he was a, a bouncer, but he was a cool people. It was a friend of mine and a friend of the band. He was cool. Come to our shows, you know, cool people. One weekend, I had a premonition that uh, for him not to go out this weekend. I had it on Thursday. And I said, yeah. And I, I, I mean, it was so strong. It stayed like a cloud for the whole day over me. And I said, yeah, but if I tell him not to go out for this weekend, stay home, he's going to think I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. I said, I mean, the guy is a huge guy, he's strong, he take care of himself. He's not, stay home, don't go out, stay in your apartment, don't go out for the weekend. He's going to think I'm nuts. Mm -hmm. So I didn't tell him. And I saw him on that Friday, everything was cool. And I said, you know, maybe it's me, you know, maybe I'm just sensitive, all this stuff going on. Maybe you just imagine that feeling. So... Friday, I saw him. Everything was cool. I, I wanted to tell him, but I said, nah, I don't want him to think I'm crazy, so I won't tell him. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now, back to the show. So then, uh, Sunday came. I came to the same place, same after hours after my show, except the bouncer wasn't there. It was another bouncer there. And he was at the door with tears rolling down his face. And I said, hey man, what's wrong? What's what's going on? He said, you didn't hear? Oh. I said, hear what? Uh, you know, the, the bouncer's dead. I said, dead? I said, what happened? He said, Saturday he met this girl and he took her to, after his job that's finished at, I don't know, six or seven in the morning, he took her to a hotel. She waited till he fell asleep and he slashed her throat. She slashed his throat. He lost so much blood that he could not fight back because he was sleeping and she just went at it. And by the time he realized what she was doing, he, he, he lost consciousness. And yeah, and when that happened, when he told me that, just blew my mind. I felt so guilty because I said to myself, and I had to, I went to his funeral and I said to myself, never again am I going to hide any psychic impressions that I get. 
even if it's the president of the United States. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm going to tell them. I don't care if they think I'm crazy or whatever. I'm going to tell them Lisa's not going to be on. But well, later on, I found out, uh, like from my soul point of view, was that he might not have listened to me anyway, even if I had told him. Sure. So not not for me to take it in such a guilt a guilty way. Yeah, like it's I, not your like fault. Like I was it's taken. Right. Um, so and, and also, um, everybody in the life here's another download. Everybody in the life has exit points. Mm -hmm. Now exit points in your life is like the time you you had a coffee instead of going to work on time and you missed an accident or you didn't catch that plane and that plane crashed. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that, or you, or you didn't walk across the red light because you were on the phone and you had to talk, and you didn't cross, and this car would have hit you if you had to cross because he ran the he ran the light. You know, those are exit points, and we all have exit points to to if we want to stay or we want to leave. Here's the other thing: um, we take <laughs> we take this life too serious um, because this life is a game. It's created by souls for souls to experience in and the earth is a soul it's alive that's why if you put something in the ground if you plant something in the ground it grows because it's life it's not just a rock mm -hmm. um and it has it's actually a soul and uh, i'll give you a little bit of what's going on now with this with this because we're experiencing a vibrational change mm -hmm. a complete vibrational change and what the earth is doing is offering everybody a choice because there's going to be two timelines. There's going to be a 5D timeline and a 3D timeline. And it doesn't matter which choice you take because, I mean, uh, God loves you anyway. And, and here's the other thing, maybe your viewers, this would help some of your viewers, is that uh, nobody dies a horrible death. Hmm. Now, I'm going to tell you why, because seconds or even minutes, sometimes even sometimes even 10 minutes before you're, you're going to check out of here, your soul is out of your body before it happens. So you won't experience the murder. You won't experience the knife or the bullet going in your head. You won't experience that. How about long term, like pain, like a disease? Well, long term disease, depending on how much the, the how how. Um, how much pain it is because if it's a certain if it gets to a certain level your soul leaves the body anyway it'll leave you won't be experiencing that you can experience some pain yes excruciating too but not for too long periods of time because after a while your soul won't won't deal with that it'll leave mm. so you'll be experienced the body might be experienced but you won't be feeling that at all so that's why you don't you, you won't you don't feel um, like a child is murdered or whatever. You can even hear people say, uh, uh, "I was not there when it actually happened." No, I've heard that multiple times from near death experiencers yeah. um, that yeah. they don't yeah. feel that. Aspect. Or a car accident seconds before the car impacts. Oh yeah, they're not there. They don't even remember the impact. Right, right. That does. Because I've heard that multiple times. Yeah, but that's because. Well, that's what I got my downloads because you're taken out. Your soul is taken out before. So, Dennis, let me ask you this. Um, yes. When you finally decided to come out of the NDE closet and the spiritual oh, okay. closet as you as you have, how did your colleagues in your career um, deal with it? Was it 
business as usual? How well, that's a good question. Well, the thing is, I I started to do readings for people, and I do that now. Um, I read energy. I help people with health. I help people with relationships. Sometimes cheating wives and cheating husbands sure, uh, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah because your energy has all the all i do is read the energy the, sure. the answers are in you so i read your energy what your energy says to me and i just repeat back to you what it says to me that's all and and so um yeah well it made me i i go for my music now in a different way because before it was just only ambition you know i have to be with the oh. best the top the bup the bup the bup i've got to do this i've got to they've got to love me i've got to practice i've got to mm -hmm. it was like that instead of doing it now i do it more out of love out of just i enjoy it and i hope you enjoying it and i'm hoping i'm giving you love for my music that's changing your day or, or change making you feel better for that moment that you're listening to my show mm. And you have worked with some interesting people in your life. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, oh, quite. But you know what's funny um, was uh, Quincy Jones taught me a lot. And mm -hmm. because I was, when I first met him, I was in awe. I was like, this Michael Jensen's producer. Is he's also the, a sax player. And he's also a sax it, player. It, yeah, exactly. So, so I was freaked out. And, and when I first met him, I said something really stupid. I said, Hi, Hi, Mr. Jones. You know, you made my life. And you know what he said to me? He says, and you made my life too. And he said it to say that I'm no better or different than you. So don't treat me like a, uh, like a god. He said, I'm just like a normal guy, just like you. Yeah. And, and, and he said exactly what I said back to me if, in order for me to hear how I sound like, you know. <laughs> You made my life. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so he said, and he said, you made my life. And hearing that from Quincy Jones, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> you know? of course. So, of but course. he taught me, he taught me that um, nobody's better than anybody. Don't treat anybody better. Just treat them nice, but don't treat them any better. I said, I said, we're all human beings. And we, I sat with Quincy for three, four hours, and, and we talked, and he had a woman bodyguard. And, uh, he was something. But I learned a lot from him. And then after that, I was able to meet like a more of the stars in a, in a more calm way. Right. You know, but it was it was hard for me because Michael Jackson was like serious was like, hero. People don't realize that in the 80s, nothing. Michael Jackson was ruling like he, he could have been president. Even the president had to meet him to make sure he wasn't going to run. <laughs> for president it was i mean there was the three michaels of the 80s and 90s it was michael jackson michael jordan mike tyson and right those the, yep those exactly are, those that man those are the three most most uh powerful most, uh, powerful and, and and most famous human beings on, on the, the planet. planet like exactly you, you can be in zimbabwe somewhere and mike tyson shows up today and everyone's gonna go, Mike Tyson. Like it just, yep, yep, it, exactly. It, Michael exactly. Jordan, like it's it, and Michael exactly. Jackson, and and they yeah. know Michael Jackson. So yeah, yeah and yeah. it's I grew up in the eighties. I remember I was in New York when when Beat It hit. And yeah, I'm Thriller trying to hit, tell you they had to understand. Michael Jackson would come onto the stage, man, and just stand there for about five minutes, and people would pass out. No, you, girls were passing I out. I, listen, man, I never seen an artist that that happened to. Maybe, maybe, maybe Elvis, maybe, 
but but Beatles, but, yeah, but, the Beatles too, the Beatles, uh, too, Beatles, yeah. yeah, but but not many, not many. No, there's no many. It was a very interesting time to be alive. I was a kid when he was coming up. I was a fan, obviously, but people can't comprehend how popular and how famous Michael was in the eighties. Exactly, it's just, it's, exactly. It's, because it's hard to understand that there was just nothing. The competition for eyeballs and attention. We had three channels on the television. You know, right. we had one or two radio stations. Right. You know, exactly. like there, it, it wasn't the world that we live in today. Someone like Michael today would probably be popular, but they wouldn't control the world. I mean, and it's right. Sell, Michael like, ruled the right. He ruled the world, man. I mean, even like, the princess, the uh, princess of, of England had to meet him. Because, oh, no, everybody. It, it was just like, oh, like I, I mean, it's like you look at someone like Taylor Swift today or Beyonce and they're massive stars. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. yes. But they don't own every piece of media all the time for like years at a time. That's what Michael was like. Yeah, there exactly. Wasn't a week. A week that wouldn't go by without someone talking about Michael Jackson. It was crazy. Oh, forget it. Forget it. Forget it. So we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. You know, so but anyway, to have his producer in my presence, I was like, oh, you know, because I'm a kid of the 80s. So I'm like, oh. Oh, you know, it was hard for me not to be, you know, starstruck. No, in awe. Oh no, yeah. Yeah, in awe. Sure. Yeah. So, but Quincy brought me back down to 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 human level, and after that, that 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 was a big lesson for me, and I, I appreciate it. You know. So, Dennis, what is the biggest takeaway you had from your near death experience? Ooh, that's a big, good question. Um, well, there's. One is that love is the key to to all the power, no matter what's in front of you. And the other the other is that we are so powerful, but we we're we're kind of brainwashed from the beginning of life yeah. mm -hmm. to believe otherwise, but it's not true. Um, we are super super powerful. This is this is uh, this is the take because many times in my life I felt so you know helpless or uh, powerless and all this. And and it's not true. It's it, it's just you have to control what we're thinking and what vibrations we we surround ourselves with. We surround ourselves with. You know, it's important. Um, and it's it's funny. It's it's so simple. You know, mm -hmm. it sounds so cliche. Oh, just be happy. You know, <laughs> it sounds so funny. But guess what? That's true. Mm -hmm. And and guess what? That's more powerful than you ever know you know um my i i i have to mention my grandfather um used to would say to me you know go when i was a kid uh, how many mistakes did you make today mm -hmm. and 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 school and i said well uh today i made no mistakes and he would be disappointed and he asked me again the next week how many mistakes did you make today and i said well i did make one in algebra then he'd take me out for ice cream and he did that for me to not be afraid to make mistakes and not to be afraid to try. Mm -hmm. Very so that's, important that's, that, that taught me a lot. And, and that's why, you know, when I was 18, 19, I went on a world tour because I had to try. I, I was in competition with about 100 adult professionals and I was in high school and, and I had won the audition and I went on tour with the stylistics, mm -hmm. you know. 
around the world. And I never had done that before. But that was for my grandfather also saying, you can just try, just try. And so I'm gonna yeah. so Dennis, I'm gonna ask you a few questions, to ask all my guests. Um, what is your definition of living a fulfilled life? Oh, that's a good one. A fulfilled life. Um I would say happiness, being happy and sharing love with, with, with others. That's if you're able to be happy and and uh share love with people, for me, you've you you're rich, you've won. If you can jump into a time machine and go back in time, what would you tell the little boy that used to be you? Oh, very good one. <laughs> uh, well, I would tell him um, you don't have to follow anybody to be uh, successful in, in music. <laughs> uh, always um, believe in yourself a little bit more, no matter what anybody tells you. And uh, oh, and don't forget to love yourself and love others. That's all. That was it. How do you define God? Oh, wow, that's a powerful one. Uh, well, what I got in my downloads is that God is everything. And, and the description is almost undescribable. Mm -hmm. um, is, is everything, you know, even the bad people we think are, are bad, it's, it's, it's all part of God. And it's all has a plan also. That's another thing. Some of the bad things that happen in your life is a plan. And if you look back on it, you know, you'll see. Like like my father, he was uh, not, uh, he didn't want me to do music, but he would come home after work uh, on the police force and play the greatest jazz you ever want to hear. Mm -hmm. And that made me interested enough to become a musician. But he didn't want me to be a musician. He wanted me to be a lawyer. But I, I, I did my music. But and my father didn't support me on that. Mm -hmm. And because he didn't support me, it made me want to work harder to be a great artist. He, he played his part. You see exactly. exactly. He played his part. He played his yeah. part. Yeah. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? Experience. And also remembering who you really are, you really love, that's it. And where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing, sir? Well, they can reach me for energy readings or session at my email, easybullock at hotmail.com. Mm -hmm. I hope you can put it in your description box. Sure, so sure, people sure. can can reach me there. Um, and they can write me with anything. I mean, I help people with suicides. I help stop that. I help uh, people with illness. I help people with um, personal problems, anything uh, uh, they want to know about. Because when I read energy, anybody you hate and anybody you love, you're connected to. Your energy is connected to them. Mm -hmm. It's more harder for me to read a person that you have no connection with. Right. You see, I can do it, but it's harder. But with somebody you love or somebody you hate, you're connected. Your energy is connected to them. Yeah. And do you have any parting messages for the audience, my friend? Yes. Um, we're going through an energy change on the planet. You have a choice. Rather you go positive, high vibrations, or negative, low vibrations. Low vibrations will leave you in 3D, third dimension. And we're going to change in the next coming 
times, years, we're going to change and it's going to switch. So I would say if you want a world of just love and peace and harmony with everything and everyone, you, you might want to go to 5D. If you don't, it's okay. I don't hate anyone who, who wants to, who likes the roller coaster ride. Uh, then you just you stay on the lower vibrations. But don't be confused with all this confusion because the confusion, why it's affecting everybody on the planet is because of vibrational change. The earth is rising. It's not getting worse like people think. It's actually getting better. There's more light coming in. But the people who are on low vibration are having a harder time because you can't put a positive battery and a negative battery together for a long time. What happens? Mm -hmm. They try to split apart, and that's what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. Very yeah. true, my friend. Thank you, Dennis, so much for coming on the show and sharing your your story, your journey with us, and uh, and spreading the good at love and energy that you are in the world, my friend. I appreciate you. Hey, I appreciate you, Alex, and I, I um, I'm a big fan of your, your work now, and I also hope you continue to open the doors of mystery to life, and that people uh, can benefit from those mysteries and uh, and that they will feel uh, more knowledge um, of a positive nature to deal with the life we live in every day. Appreciate mm -hmm. you, my friend. I want to thank Dennis so much for coming on the show and sharing his story with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash three zero and if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.